Welcome back to the Gentleman's Dojo. Feeling it today, boys. Yeah, Are you? Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Oh, Feeling Keith, good today. This is your line. Live from, live from, uh, what, what do I say? Live <laughs> <laughs> live from beautiful downtown Burbank. There we there go. It is. Uh, there it is. I feel like I haven't seen you guys in a while. Yeah, even though we film this thing, we record every week, it does right. feel like it's been three or four weeks. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, very excited. Today, we have a little Gene Kelly breaking the intro music. Yeah, yeah. We normally do not go this way. We normally start off very aggressive with You're the Best Around. Yeah. From the Karate Kid soundtrack. Karate Kid, one of your favorite films. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's play it up differently. We're excited today. Author of the brand new book, He's Got Rhythm, The Life and Career of Gene Kelly. Yes. We have one of the authors calling in today. We're very excited. Now, you saw this book. Now, I know that of the three of us, Stephen, you yes. are the biggest Gene Kelly fan <laughs> because months and months ago on our show, we had Gene's wife on the show. Yes, uh, Patricia Ward-Kelly, who does Gene Kelly, The Legacy, yes. the show that tours around the country. It's a great retrospective. And then I was, uh, yeah, here we go. Here's our car. This is my favorite part of the day. Yeah, this is your favorite part of the day. Do you want to introduce our our, sure. our fine guest here this Good evening? morning, Cynthia. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Um, okay. Um, happy Halloween to both of you. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Uh, just, just so we know, how do we pronounce your last name? I don't want to botch Brideson. it. Is it Brideson? Brideson. Um, yes, Brideson. Yeah. Very nice. Well, thank you so much for taking time to, to call in today to discuss your incredible book. And to my left is Gary Cannon, another great comedian. And Patrick Keene is also with us as well, great comedian as well. And I'm Steve Byrne, and thank you so much, Cynthia, for taking time. Is this is this probably the highlight of the tour junket to be on a <laughs> podcast with three D-list yeah. comedians? You can be honest. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, actually, is the only interview I've given yet, so it's um, it's very special to me. Wow, wow. really? Thank you. Well, I got to yeah. tell you, I'm a huge Gene Kelly fan, being a Pittsburgh boy myself, and I was. In my local Barnes & Noble, on my way to the checkout to buy my daughter 15 Disney books <laughs> so I can read them to her <laughs> at night. And on the way out, I saw this book uh, on one of the tables, and I thought, oh, my God, I've been looking for a Gene Kelly biography book, and they're so few and far between. And I saw this. Uh, congratulations, first off. And second off, how did you get involved in uh, making Gene a focus of, of your book? Um, It was it was mainly my twin sister who um, who started the project. Um, she was extremely into Judy Garland when we were kids, and um, of course, Jean, Jean starred with Judy Garland in several films. So um, we kind of like discovered Gene Kelly through our love of Judy Garland films. And um, my sister Sarah always said Gene Kelly is Judy Garland's best leading man. So um, we just began studying. His career too, and um, all the Freed unit musicals that Arthur Freed produced at MGM, and um, we just um, were fascinated by his um, charisma and uh, creativity and innovation. It was just he had such a different persona than most of the male dancers back then. Um, he was just he was tough but sensitive at the same time, and um, you know, of course, he's very handsome too. And as, as little girls, we thought, "Oh, he's so cute." Um, <laughs> That's incredible. So did Judy Garland say that she, he was her best leading man, or was that just kind of known by? Um, them? that was that was my sister's, so in my opinion. Okay. But um, they were um, Judy Garland and Gene Kelly were very good friends, though, and um, they had a very good relationship. Um, he was 
her ally, you know, when MGM was saying that they didn't want her to work on certain films anymore because she was too much trouble. Um, he was always saying, I'll, I'd do anything for that girl because Judy Garland kind of gave him his break in the movies. Like, he, his first film was with her. And um, so they, they kind of were just their, their buddies throughout their lives. That was cool. Well, I got to tell you, I, I've seen the PBS Masters doc. I've been to Patricia Ward Kelly's show, uh, Gene Kelly, The Legacy, and then getting to read this book, I felt like I got to know him most through your book. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I finished it in three days. I couldn't put it down. It was it was just a great read. Um, so compliments to you. But the the one thing you get from the book is just, especially the beginning of his of his career, I think, which is in Pittsburgh, he became the breadwinner of his family just through sheer hustle. Yeah. And, and it's a large family, and they all danced. And Gene outshone everybody just via sheer talent, but became the breadwinner for his family, enough so that the family could move into a nice house and get a housekeeper. Can you explain his, his early years in Pittsburgh? Um, yeah, his, um, he called himself a Depression-era kid, and he um, he really did kind of embody like the, the hardworking um, American in the Depression just trying to scrape by. And um, he began college studying economics and um he thought about being a lawyer or um but he uh couldn't imagine sitting in a law office all day and um he found out that he was actually making more money at um teaching dance and um he was just very passionate about it and um because he, he studied live at the university of pittsburgh right yeah so he, he then. probably did a, a 180 on his career choice like deciding to be a dancer instead of a lawyer um so, yeah, he just, um, he couldn't be, I and he had so much energy that just imagining being cooped up in an office all day, you know, studying law, I, I can't imagine him doing that e either, and I guess he couldn't, and um, he, it was mainly him who kept the his family's dance studio afloat. Um, children would come, who didn't like dancing before, would actually begin begging their parents um, for dance lessons because he made it so much fun, and something that was, like, cool, you know, it wasn't something to be bullied anymore. You know, right. you wouldn't be busy if you danced with him. So, yeah, he just, um, he he truly just used his talents to make um, make the most of a bad um, economy, and he just somehow thrived during it because of his, um, you know, his charisma, and um, just, he was just very likable, and um, people were willing to, you know, shell out the money during the Depression to um, for their kids to take lessons with them. And especially since Shirley Temple was so popular back then, you know, everybody was thinking, my kid can be a Shirley Temple. So, <laughs> But he, um, you know, he taught way more way more types of dance. He just, he tailored his lessons to the kid. Like if the kid said, I want to learn the foxtrot, he would teach them the foxtrot. Like he just, um, he was very. He saw people as individuals, and um, I think that's part of what made him so successful. Is that he didn't just see everybody as uh, as one um, cookie cutter kind of entity. Yeah, it is interesting because um, he definitely had the charisma, likable, a good-looking guy. He was the exact opposite of our host, Steve Byrne. I mean, okay. he just. But <laughs> Cynthia, I wanted to ask you something <laughs> because obviously he was well liked by the people. He had fans. Um, but what I wanted to ask you is, obviously, you and your sister, big, big fans of Gene Kelly. There must have been so many things that you discovered 
doing research about the book that you didn't know about him as you were doing the research, putting the book together? What, what were some of those things that you had no idea about that you quickly learned? Um, I guess I didn't know that um, he actually, I mean, he has an Irish last name, of course, and his parents um, were of Irish heritage, but I, he actually was, um, I didn't know that he had such ties actually to the country of Ireland, like he would take his kids there um, to stay at a cottage in Ireland, and um, he just had a great affinity with the Irish people and really connected to his heritage, and um, I thought that was really neat that he um was so, so proud of his heritage and just um, really had a connection with the people there. Um, I thought that was that was a really nice discovery. And um, I didn't know that he was so active on the stage even in his older life. Um, he starred in several shows. Um, he was in All Wilderness, um, a musical version. It was a musical version of the um, Eugene O'Neill play, All Wilderness. And um, he just, every play he did, especially when he was older, he would kind of take the younger stars under his wing and um just make sure that they almost outshone him like he he let he always made sure that his partners got a chance to um shine also and um i found that surprising because lots of times when people talk about gene kelly they say he's macho or egotistical but um i didn't find that to be so especially when studying his later years um and also like discovering his um his temper, especially when he was in his, I don't know, 30s or early 40s, um, it was interesting to read about, you know, because he's always the nice guy on the screen. But, I don't know, he, he had a, he had an Irish temper, as the expression goes. And um, it was just, it was interesting reading, you know, about his human side. He wasn't perfect. You know, he could, he could blow his top sometimes. Um, and, uh, and I guess just learning about his... Um, his loyalty to his family was really sweet too, because um, you know that's I think that's kind of uh, yeah. I thought I, the one thing in the book I, I thought was interesting was his uh, you know, here he is, this matinee idol, this good-looking guy, he's so talented, he's a movie star, and his first marriage, it, there's no evidence, and it doesn't seem that he ever cheated on his wife, but his wife is the one that ended up cheating on him. And his wife is the one yeah. that left him, which is so opposite the route of what you would think a leading man in Hollywood would, would be. But he seemed to be a very, very loyal and dedicated husband. Yeah, from um, the, from all the uh, studying that we did and research, um, we couldn't find any evidence that he was ever unfaithful. Um, he was... Um, he was very, very a very dedicated family man, um, and especially in his second marriage, he became even more of like um, a family man because he he said that at some points in his first marriage he felt like he and his wife were, um, you know, like being like F. Scott and Zelda Fitzgerald and um, just neglecting their child. But um, from my interviews with Carrie Kelly, she never expressed that she felt neglected, but I guess Gene felt like he didn't give enough attention to. Her in his um in her youth and in his second marriage, Gene was like even more of like um a homebody and uh, kept his kids away from the um the media and stuff. He just wanted them to have a regular childhood, and um, I thought that was really nice that he just wanted them to have a regular life so they could enjoy childhood like he did. Because he he always spoke of his childhood in very very much a nostalgic way, which is nice. You know, lots of, lots of stars you read about having these horrible, horrific childhoods, but um, 
he was he had a really nice one. And um, was he a, was he a sports fan? Because Steve's from Pittsburgh and he's off he's always wearing the Pittsburgh stuff. W- was Gene a big sports fan? Because later in life, Pittsburgh got so good. You know, the Steelers got so good. The Pirates got so good. Did he care about sports at all? Um, I admit that I am not. A, I, I'm very unathletic, so I, I don't follow sports very well. <laughs> but um, I know that Gene Kelly, he, he loved sports, and um, I guess I'm illiterate when it comes to them, unfortunately. <laughs> but he was he was a huge. He dreamt of being a playing for the Pirates, and he played ice hockey. And yes. I think he he had a he had done that. That show in later years, when he made the transition to television, Dancing a Man's Game, where he had a lot of the prominent sports figures of the day, like Mickey Mantle, uh, exhibiting their technique and then translating that into dance, correct? Yeah, he he said that um, athletics could be just as graceful as dance and um, vice versa, yeah. Is, uh, you know, they say, like, uh, it's, a, it's a common belief that Brando, James Dean, were the first to really act. They were the first to not mug for the camera, and they made the camera come yeah. to them a little bit. But Gene Kelly, James Cagney, these guys, they had to act, sing, dance, and in on talk shows and camera interviews, they had to be sharp and couldn't phone it in. It's called a triple threat. It's a, yeah, it's a, the, I mean, these guys were And the, it's what yeah. you do. You could bomb, you could right. ask bad questions, right. and you bring a drone uh, attitude to the show. So <laughs> you are a triple threat right. on our I, podcast. I do all those. Yes, Kim. So, I mean, are, are these guys... The Sorry, we're fighting in front of you, Cynthia. Yeah. <laughs> these guys are no. like an old married couple. <laughs> <laughs> these guys are yeah. like the original Justin Timberlakes, right? I mean, these guys did it all. Movies, live stage. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, yeah. but by the way, you know, it's crazy, Cynthia, because obviously sitting here, the three of us, you know, have our heroes, people that we love, people that we admire. But, I mean, you and your sister actually sat down and, and decided to publish a book. Like, what what's the thought process there in terms of, like, hey, we really are big fans of Gene Kelly. L- let's put together a book. I mean, first of all, get Is it difficult together. to get family members or, like, the daughter, Carrie, is it difficult to get them to open up to you guys? Um, yeah, it was, it was difficult. Um, uh, we, we weren't able to get in contact with his, um, his two younger children, but, um, we were able to, um, get in contact with Carrie Kelly fairly easily. Um, I, I know that she's been interviewed probably hundreds of times throughout her life about him. So, um, I tried to keep our interviews fairly brief because I didn't want to, you know, inconvenience her too much or anything because I don't know she's probably kind of sick of it in a way but she, I was very very grateful to her for um, opening up to us and giving her giving us some um, nice remembrances of her dad um, it was hard to get the book published because um, Patricia Ward Kelly um, she's um, apparently working on a book about him also and um, so we ran into some issues with that um, because she owns the, the rights to many photographs and interviews with Gene Kelly, so we had difficulty, um, you know, getting permission uh, from the state and stuff. Um, so it was difficult to get the book published because there's lots of um, legal hurdles and such, but um, I hope that I hope that we didn't step on anybody's toes, and I, I really just wanted it to be a, a nice tribute to Gene Kelly without any, uh, you know, scandals in it or anything because really there's there's really no scandals to uncover so um yeah it was it was difficult to get published but we just wanted to we, we really felt strongly about it so we just 
just kept at it, and I was grateful to our publisher also for really stepping up and helping out. Yeah, and by the way, we, um, we, I know that you co-authored the book with your sister, who uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. has passed away. We're sorry to hear about that. Um, was she able to see the published book before she passed? Um, no, she was. She saw a proof of the cover at least. But, um, the um, the book came out several months afterwards, so um, that was I, I was I was saddened about that. And you know, she didn't she didn't get to see. Her dream was always to be reviewed in the New York Times, and she didn't get to see that, even though it happened and stuff. So I mean, that makes me. I, I wish that she had been here to see that. Because yeah, how much? How, how many years went into making this book? How many? When did you guys decide? Hey, this is this is an idea for a book. How many years ago? Um. Well, Sarah, my sister, she wrote her first first book about her when she was eight years old, and that was in wow. nineteen ninety eight. I mean, but um, in earnest though, for um, like in our maturity though, she she wrote the first draft in two thousand nine, and then I wow. joined her writing it in twenty. 14. So I guess all in all, it probably took about five to six years to, to write. Wow. Congratulations. I mean, it is, it's a, it's a fascinating read. It's a great read. Um, the, well, the one thing I, I didn't, I didn't expect, because I guess I, I, I'm just a fan. I didn't know chronologically that An American in Paris, his two most iconic films, An American in Paris and Singing in the Rain, uh, I guess, which he garnered the most accolades for or which time has been very kind to him via those two films, came back to back. Yeah. And and then right after that, it kind of started the slow dissension down. A- am I correct in assuming that? In terms yeah, of the heights and, um, of his career. Yeah, yeah it, it was kind of unfortunate because it co- um, the height of his career coincided with the um, – decline of interest in the in the Hollywood musical and the studio system, you know, that kind of built stars and built big budget musicals like that started to decline and break off into more independent film companies. So right when he reached his peak, that's when the interest in big musicals and the studio system declined. So it was it was kind of unfortunate that that, that, that coincided but um but he um you know he kind of ate he took it gracefully um and uh but yeah it's um it, it's kind of sad but right after he made arguably his best film singing in the rain then it's like oh the studio system has collapsed and your kind of films aren't in vogue anymore so that, that was that's unfortunate but and um, did it did did it se- i can't remember in the book did it seem as though he uh, he liked an american in paris more than singing in the rain he felt singing in the rain was a little dated when he had seen it Later on in his life, is that correct? But that's the one that that everybody remembers him for, correct? Um, yeah, I, I feel like he. I think he um was more. He did. I think he preferred an American in Paris, um, because he he had more direct involvement in its creation. I think, and um, especially with the ballet, that was like his his baby, mm-hmm. his baby, um, and uh. He he adored Paris itself, so um, of course making a movie like a, that was pretty much like a love song to Paris was especially close to his heart too, because he you know he lived in Paris for a, for a while in the fifties and stuff, and um, and yeah he had I think he had more of a hand in creating an American in Paris, so he did prefer it, and he won a special Oscar for the for the accomplishment of the ballet and everything and. Um, Singing in the Rain, he, he, he loved that film as well, but um, definitely I think he preferred an American in Paris because it was just um, closer to his heart. 
Well, when you watch, when you think of Gene Kelly, I think you think this low center gravity, tap dancing, these intricate dance pieces. But the last 18 minutes of An American Paris is strictly ballet. And you, you don't, I don't think you naturally think instinctively of Gene Kelly as a ballet dancer, but he got that background from, from Chicago during the, during the World's Fair, Fair. Is that correct? Yeah, he um he studied with the um, Chicago Dance Masters there, and um he actually thought about becoming a prof- you know joining the professional ballet company. Um, he was very very devoted to the medium, but uh, he he decided that he didn't want to put all of his eggs in one basket, so to speak. So he wanted to explore modern dance and tap dance and and ballet, and somehow try to combine them all into one kind of medium. That's that's pretty much what he did. He, he in his music his musicals he was able to kind of show off his abilities in in every form of dance but ballet that was like he seriously did consider becoming a professional ballet dancer and um which is you definitely wouldn't think about first off when you think of gene kelly yeah right and 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 the press always made it seem as though fred astaire and gene kelly maybe had this uh rivalry but but off screen they were very very um friendly with each other and it seemed like gene had brought fred astaire out of retirement twice to get him back in the limelight and one of the films that when gene kelly broke his ankle due to his temperament after volleyball game mm-hmm. uh got him one of his biggest films yeah easter parade that was definitely like fred astaire's comeback movie and one of my personal favorites that, that, that movie is just um but the the first number in the film drum crazy that fred astaire does the the um that lots of the choreography for that number was actually Gene's. So if that number seems a little bit more Gene Kelly-ish than, um, than Fred Astaire, that's why, because um, Gene Kelly kind of laid out the groundwork for that. Yeah, could you so describe the, inter- the two different styles, I guess, between Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly in terms of dance? Yeah, um, Fred Astaire's dance style is a little bit more um, ethereal and um, elegant. Like, you'd get... I don't want to say rich, but you think of it more as kind of like representing the high life in a way, like in a ballroom, in a, in a tuxedo, almost like floating above the ground because he's so light and airy. Um, but Gene Kelly is more like, um, you know, you can kind of like almost hear him hitting the earth, you know, with his pounding his feet on the ground. And um, he's, you know, he'd be dancing more in, in um, loafers and a, in a, you know, baseball cap, while Fred Astaire being a top hat and tails. He's like Gene Kelly's more like rooted to the earth and um, working class, and um, Fred Astaire is more like above, the, kind of in the clouds. Because yeah. I, I, Gene Kelly, <laughs> he said he wanted to bring an American style of dance to the world, um, and he, he was obviously successful. But could you describe what he meant by that American style of dance? Um. He, an American style to him, I think, meant combining, because he he took a lot from um, the immigrant population back then and the different styles of dance from um, Europe. And uh, so he, he wanted to make a dance that kind of represented lots of folk styles from the um, immigrants that he uh, that he knew and that from his own country and kind of represent it as kind of like a melting pot style of dance. Um, so I think... Um, an American style of dance to him was kind of like representative of all the different cultures that that helped shape America, which is um, I think a really, really awesome um, style because it's like it, it shows um, how 
open he was to um, new things and other cultures, and just I think it just really represents you know the melting pot style, and it's uh, very unique. He's in, in on the town. He's with Sinatra. Were the, was that their only appearance together in films? And, and were they were they pals at all off off screen? You know? uh, um, by the way, Miss Brideson, Patrick obviously did not read the book, but feel free to answer the question. Uh, you, you know who read the book when you when well, you get the question. Exactly, we, Steve like and to, I. We, have, yeah. we like to have two guests, we, two hosts who've read it and one who has not. Just to keep it <laughs> I think what Patrick meant to say was, how was Sinatra and Gene Kelly's relationship on and off screen? I think that was part of the question. Um, asked, were, and one uh, other and one other question from Patrick: Is it Cynthia or Cindy? Yeah. <laughs> um, my I like in my in my normal life I go by Cindy, but uh, <laughs> professionally Cynthia, okay, but great. either one is fine. I mean, Cindy's good. Yeah. Keen of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But to the but, to um, the question yeah, of Sinatra and Gene, yeah. Yeah, he, um, Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra. Like Fr- Frank Sinatra said that Gene was like a brother to him. Um, they 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 did when they were together, especially with director Stanley Donen, they could act kind of immature together sometimes like uh they they kind of gave esther williams a hard time and they'd play practical jokes and stuff um and you know probably annoyed some people because they got rowdy when they were together but um they were really like brothers and um very supportive of each other's careers and even though gene kelly worked frank snotcher really hard when when um directing him um it, it in the end was to frank snotcher's advantage and he and, and he was grateful to Gene for pushing him, and and um, they stayed friends all throughout their lives, and um, you know would still go out to dinner together and uh, go to each other's houses and stuff. They were like just pretty much like they were on screen, they were off screen. So that was that was nice to read that it was actually um, what you see on screen is pretty much what you see off screen. So it, it, it's always refreshing to read about a friendship on screen that isn't with bitterness in reality. So, yeah, they were they were, they were really good friends. I think they were probably some of each other's best friends, which is really cool. Who was his... Uh, obviously, Sinatra was one of his pals in terms of uh, on and off screen working together, but who was, who was... Who do you think his favorite leading lady was? Was it Judy Garland? Was it Sid Charisse? Um, obviously, it's not Esther Williams uh, <laughs> based on what she, she yeah. had said in the book. Yeah. Who who do you think he enjoyed working with most? Um, I know that he was best friends with Judy Garland, but I think professionally, I th- I, I would say Sid Charisse. Um, I think that they're um, they're they were both e- equally de- um, devoted to dancing, and um, so it was. I think they, I think they um worked the best together because they had similar interests as far as um, really specializing in dance while Judy Garland's dance wasn't exactly her specialty she was good at it but it wasn't like her top priority um, but and also said she um, she had the um, ballet training that Gene Kelly did so they just um, when they danced together it was you know it's they just totally meshed and um, so I think I would say that Sid Sharice was Gene Kelly's favorite leading lady I think one of the uh, reasons we're probably here today talking about Mr. Kelly, and obviously the reason probably why you wrote a book, is that he was always innovating. There were so many times over the course of his career, especially on that MGM lot where studio heads, people working on the film said it can't be done, you cannot do that. But 
he found a way. Alter ego, uh, that that great dance sequence at Alter Ego. That that's an example. Uh, what are what are some other pieces where he innovated um, on film that people just said no, you you can't do it? But he proved them wrong, and he not only proved them wrong, but he succeeded. Uh, whenever he showed on the town, for example, uh, that opening sequence, they were very happy with that. What are some uh, examples of him just bucking the trend and and being the innovator that he was? Um. I know this number doesn't have any huge special effects or anything, but in Summer Stock, there's a um, there's a number where he had dances um, just alone on a stage with a piece of newspaper, and um, yeah. people people said, uh, "Okay, that's going to be boring. There's nothing interesting about that." But he showed that that um, sometimes simplicity is actually the way to go, and just he searched all over town for the right texture of newspaper so it would make the right kind of sound effects and everything. And um, I think he just, that was an innovation showing that basically bare bones um, sets and props uh, can actually make the best dances and can hold an interest and can hold your interest because he could express so much emotion just, just through his movements. So that was innovation right there because it showed that you don't need any, you don't necessarily need any fancy tricks um, to make a number work, um, but more with te- technological innovations along with dance. Um, the, uh, the the pirate ballet in in the movie The Pirate that used, uh, you know, people said you can't do a dance where you're throwing fire around and such. But um, he and Vincent Minnelli re- really made the pirate ballet work, even though it had ex- literally had explosives in it. Um, right. if it he always he always liked to do dream sequence dream sequences in his films and the pirate ballet was an example of a dream sequence as was the um American Paris ballet and um I think that that also was innovative to kind of have that um otherworldly quality to his dances um because it kind of departed from his you know um salt of the earth kind of everyman image and showed that you know kind of more celestial-ish kind of dances had a had a place in um, musicals as well, even if they were kind of off the wall. And, um, yeah, but the, the alter ego number, I think, stands out as, as his most innovative because, um, you know, it's like you, you wouldn't even think they have that technology in the 40s, but, um, yeah, he made that work with Stanley Doonan's help. And, yeah. um, if you're listening, if you get the chance, uh, you're probably not going to go out and rent the movies, but just YouTube Alter Ego, YouTube these dance sequences. They're they're absolutely amazing. Gary, do you have a question? Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I mean, what, you, you came out with this amazing book, you and your sister. I mean, it had to be so cool. You obviously were big fans of him and then put together this book. What's next? I mean, do you you, you write another book? I mean, what's kind of the, the thought as we head into the home stretch here? Um. I'm sorry to say that I think my days of writing about um, old Hollywood are, are unfortunately over. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to write another biography. Um, but um, my sister and I did, this is ridiculous, but we, we wrote a memoir about growing up with Asperger's and anorexia because we have we had both. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to attempt to to get a memoir published. I know that every Tom, Dick, and Harry tries to do that, but I guess, right, right. I guess that's what I'm going to that's what I'm going to attempt to do next. I guess, yeah. Well, if you're looking to write another biography, uh, that's maybe just on a little smaller side. You know, maybe a paperback. You can write one about Steve. 
<laughs> nothing. <laughs> Absolutely God. nothing on that. Cynthia yeah. gave me something on that one. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's a pop-up book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cynthia, do you enjoy dance yourself? Are you uh, an amateur dancer? Is, is that something you and your sister had enjoyed back in the day, of how you got involved? Um. Unfortunately, we were both very uncoordinated, so yeah. we weren't good dancers. And I think I think that's why we admire it so much because it's like, man, I wish that I could do that. But our first ambition in life was to be actresses, and we, you know, we were we wrote plays when we were kids, trying to get the school to put them on and stuff. So um, I think that's why we liked the let's put on a show musicals like of Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney and like Summer Stock because it's like, you know, that's what we wanted to be like. Let's put on a show. <laughs> but no, we weren't good dancers, unfortunately. Well, what an incredible bond that you and your sister had, and what an incredible book that you guys had had put together. It was a fascinating read. I would yes. recommend anybody getting it, and we cannot thank you enough for spending time of your day to to talk about the book. It was, it, it really was just such a great read. And there's so many things in there. I just I didn't know how much directing he did. I, you know, you think of Gene Kelly, you think yeah. of him dancing, but it, the guy was, I think, the back half, and even directing all the sequences and directing some of the latter films and then uh, that second half of his career was pretty much directing am i correct in that assumption um yeah definitely he um he his first ambition was just to simply be a choreographer and he, he i think he really realized that especially in his later years um just being able to be behind the the um camera or behind the scenes if it was a stage play and um, i think he really thrived doing that because it was kind of like going back to his roots of um being a teacher in a sense, and he really enjoyed that. And, yeah, and it's crazy. The, the book is 500 pages, but it's a quick read. It moves really, really smooth. I loved it. Did oh, you? Glad, yeah. Did you get uh, feedback from anybody you interviewed? Um, let's see. Uh, I don't think we got any feedback yet from anybody we interviewed. Um, I mean, if I would, if anybody we interviewed would like to give feedback, I would love to hear it. Um. But uh, I got a lot of editing help from um, early on from author Eve Golden. She's another really good biographer. And um, we sent her some our first sample chapters, and um, she provided really good feedback. So if you ever want to read a good biography, look up Eve Golden. She's, she's, she's a great biographer. And, um, yeah. And, um, of course, just the, the staff at the University of Fresno, Kentucky, that published the book, they, they, they gave excellent feedback, and I'll be forever appreciative to them. But yeah, I, w I would love to hear what Carrie Kelly and his uh, his kids thought of the book if they if they've read it. I, w I would love to hear if it was accurate. You know, right. <laughs> I would love to hear that. Well, you really gave a, a an in depth, uh, great read on on a very complex man because you're right. When you see him on screen, he seems so lovable and down to earth, and you know he he's a very complicated guy off screen and. Still somebody I, I admire, and I probably yeah, admire him actually even more after having read the book. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Continued success to you. Thank and obviously your sister would be very proud. I just I, read the New York Times review. That was awesome. So congratulations. I know that uh, she would be really proud of the book. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. And thank you for letting us be your first interview. That was absolutely incredible. Yeah, Cynthia, when is the last <laughs> time you were actually in a dojo? Just curious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I'm sorry, what's, it, what's, what's a dojo? A dojo. Oh. A dojo. It's where martial arts occur. Yeah. Um, and we emphasize <laughs> arts. We emphasize <laughs> arts. We emphasize the uh -huh. arts, less, less martial. But uh, 
Thank you so much, Miss Bridson, for taking the time. Continued success, and to anybody out there, definitely get the book. It, it's an incredible. He's read got on rhythm, the life and career of Gene icon. Kelly. And by the way, Cynthia lives in Sacramento. Is that true? Yeah. And yep. I know that we'll be up there at some point. <laughs> we'll be yeah. up there at some point performing, and we would love to have you out as our guest, and uh, would love to return the hospitality to you. Oh, thank, thank you so much. I mean, you could obviously get free tickets on your own, but it, this just Gary. is a quicker way. Uh, we'll make that happen. Gary's, Gary's dance name, when Gary hits a dance floor, he says everybody must refer to him as Pink Lemonade. No, Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. There you go. Well, Cynthia, thank you so much. All the best to you, and we will see you in Sacramento. I'll bring my copy of the book up, and I'd love for you to autograph it if possible. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you, Cynthia. What yeah, a, just by the way, you I I know that you specifically are very fascinated with Gene Kelly. I mean, you I, I, you picked up this book. I, first of all, I can't even believe a bookstore exists these that, days. Yeah, yeah, I know it's crazy. Downloaded, but uh, yeah. Look, I, I I think that just I think anytime you have somebody from your hometown that made sure. it big, yeah. and I think as as time goes on, as the decades wear on, people tend to forget how big certain people were. I don't know if you guys have that inspiration, but Gene Kelly is. Gene Kelly and I think Dean Martin, he's from Steubenville, which is 35, 40 minutes outside That's where they filmed Deer Hunter, Steubenville. Yeah. Steubenville? I, I, I think so. <laughs> well, by the way, for me, uh, our guest uh, last week was an influence for me because also from Detroit, Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen, yeah. yes. So Honestly, who is, your, who is your hero for out of me? Detroit? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I had a, like a, somebody that was from Detroit. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I have somebody. Yeah, Dennis Rodman. You? How about you, Keith? Dennis Rodman. Uh, yeah, we'll go with Rodman. Kelly Trebuka. Rodman, not not Rodman, the basketball player, more the ambassador. Is the more the comic from, from Orange County. That oh, well, Steve Martin was an Orange yes. County guy, kind of. He was a magician yeah, but he at, was a comic. Uh, at Knott's Berry <laughs> Farm. He was. <laughs> but he was a magician at Knott's Berry Farm. That's right. right. I think he worked at both Knott's Berry Farm and Disneyland at, at various times. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and just kind of like, uh, you know, that kind of a conservative upbringing that's a little quirky and not. He was a magician so at Knott's Berry Farm. Patrick's a ticket taker at Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> <laughs> get out there at, at Knott's Scary Farm this week, guys. I get, I get 10% of every Patrick uh, is the week. ghost in Maze 3. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, guys, thank you to the Dojo listeners. Yes. Thank you for the reviews and the ratings. We, we really have a bunch of T-shirts heading out. The T-shirts are heading yes. out to you guys. If you are listening, write a review. Rate us. Subscribe. And if you write that review... You, t- you get in touch with Gary, we'll send you a Dojo T-shirt. That's DM the deal. DM me your address, and I will get you a T-shirt. And we'll send a donut. Will we send a donut in that? Send a donut. We in. got it all. Uh, but thank Keen. you for the reviews. We absolutely love it. And them. thank you to Patrick Keene for all his all his well thought <laughs> research on those questions. By yeah, the way, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I've seen On the wow. Town twice. I've seen it with Frank Sinatra, and I've seen Singing in the Rain with Debbie Reynolds plenty. So uh, there you go. I don't know anybody. You guys. Uh, where can they find you, Gary? Uh, Canon Comedy. And Patrick, where can they find you? Uh, at Citizen Keene. Very nice. And we have a lot of tour dates coming up together. But the big one, Seattle. We will be doing New Year's Eve together at Parlor Live in Seattle. One of the best clubs in the country in Bellevue. Looking forward to it. Yeah, be great. So keep in touch. Subscribe, rate, review. Thank you for listening to Dojo. Any parting words today? Uh, By the way, they don't even have to give us a good review to get the T-shirt. We just want a review. (laughs) We'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The size might not be accurate when we send it out, but nonetheless, it's a T-shirt. Yes.